0: If you brought your Bibles tonight, and I hope that you have, turn with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis uh, chapter 40. We're going to begin there tonight. Genesis chapter 40. Uh, as you're turning there and finding Genesis chapter 40, we're going to preach tonight about, um, about Joseph. Some things that we can, uh, that we can learn from uh, the experiences of Joseph here tonight. And, of course, it's not exhaustive, definitely won't cover everything. Joseph is, as you're finding Genesis chapter 40, Joseph is an interesting character uh, in the Scriptures. What I mean by that is he's an interesting person. He lived an interesting life that God used in an interesting way and portrays him in the Scriptures in an interesting way. He is a type of Christ. We see so many similarities. Now, I understand Joseph in in life was not a perfect sinless person, but he in some senses are presented that way in the scripture because he is a type of Christ. He's right. The only one besides Christ is presented. We have so much of his story in the scripture, but yet we never hear of anything um, that he has done wrong and he sins that he had committed. We see him also. Uh, we see a lot of parallels between him and Christ, right? We see him in prison and then brought out of, an, of imprisonment and set at the right hand of Pharaoh, right? Just as Christ is exalted and lifted up and set at the right hand of the Father. We see them if you were to look at. Um, Chapter 41, I forget which verse it is, but on down here a ways in chapter 41, you will see this proclaimed at the, um, when he's installed in that position, that second. Uh, second spot there in leadership in Egypt, that everyone is to bow to him, right? And the scriptures tells us uh, that every knee shall bow uh, at the name of Jesus, right? That's on that's on earth, above earth, and under the earth, right? And so we see him also. We see, uh, I find it interesting that God uses him and through him as he stores the, the grain in, or, in order for them to make bread, that when famine comes, many lives are saved there in Egypt. Not just Egypt, but the whole world. World, is what the scripture says because of the bread that Joseph is able to provide, and of course we know Jesus is the bread of life, and, and through Him, uh, whosoever right many are saved, right whosoever will receive Him, choose to accept Him. I think it's interesting when we look and we think about uh, the garments, for instance. G, um, Joseph has this fine coat that is very unique, right? It's called a coat of many brothers because. Or, coat of many colors and because of it his brothers are very jealous of him well because he's his father's favorite but that coat represents that and symbolizes that I think it's interesting we know as we read the scriptures and that's what I was looking for just now and I didn't quite get there but that's all right we know that Jesus had a very unique special coat or garment that he'd been given, that he wore, and as a matter of fact, it was of such value, right, uh, that they they gambled for it, right, the guards gambled for it, uh, and parted it between them, divided it between them, uh, whenever he was crucified, we know that Jesus's brothers, right, took the, uh, or Joseph's brothers took that garment, right, and dipped it in blood, and took it to his father as proof that he had uh, that he that he had been killed, right, which he hadn 't it was a lie, but that was how they presented it to joseph 's father jacob and I think it 's interesting when you're talking about garments that whenever Joseph is put in his place right installed right when he 's finally brought out of uh, prison by Pharaoh and put in second command, one of the things that he has given not only is he given the signet ring off of pharaoh 's hand, but he is given these fine linen clothing, this fine garment and when I read that I can't help but thank you the righteousness of Christ and clothed in that and and his uh, resurrected body and glorified body and what that means and what that represents and so we can see and and that's just the beginning that's nowhere everything but we can see that he's a type of Christ so as I look at the scripture I want to read one verse to you tonight and then we'll go to the Lord together in prayer In Genesis chapter 40, the very last verse in that chapter, verse 23 says, Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and for the many blessings. We thank you for the opportunity to gather here tonight to worship together, to lift up our voices and praise to you together, to glorify your name, to worship you together. We thank you for our church family, for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the roof you put over our head the nation that we live in, the freedom that we have together here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for each one who's fought and bled and sacrificed and died so that we can have this freedom. But we know ultimately it's a gift from you, so we give you all the praise and the glory. We thank you tonight for all the blessings you pour out on us. Every breath that we draw is a gift from you, but we thank you most of all tonight. For your son, Jesus, Lord God, that you sent him and give him so that we might have life. Have that life eternally and abundantly. God, we don't deserve it. We're not worthy. And you knew that. But you done it anyways. So God, my prayer is, is that we, as your people, we'd never take it lightly, never take it for granted. But we would always be a people that is ready to lift our voices up to you that is always ready to make you known to the whole world. Always ready to shout your blessings from the, from the rooftops. Lord, that we would give you every bit of the praise and the glory because you alone are worthy of it. And Lord, I pray as we go forward tonight in this service, Lord, that you would have your way and your will in our midst. You know our hearts, you know our shortcomings, you know our hang-ups, you know uh, uh, the things that we're dealing with, that we're struggling with. Lord, there's nothing that is hidden from you. Nothing that you don't know, nothing that you don't see. So Lord, my prayer tonight is is that you would move in our midst in a mighty way. God, that you would stir us. God, that you would just show us what it is you'd have us uh, to take from this tonight. I pray that we would have ears to hear what your spirit would say to us tonight. We'd have receptive hearts. God, that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but we would be doers of your word. Lord, that we wouldn't let it go in one ear and out the other. God, But we would receive it. We would internalize it. God, we would take it in. We would meditate upon it. And we would let it transform us from the inside out into your image, the image of your son, Jesus Christ. God, that we might leave here different than how we come in. Lord, better fit to serve you, more willing, uh, Lord, with a burden for a lost and dying world. God what I'm asking is for you to come in our midst and do what only you can do and we'll give you the glory for it. And Lord, I need one more I need to ask one more thing of you. I need your help tonight. Help me to be your messenger. Help me to preach your word the way that pleases you and glorifies you. God uh, forgive me of where I fall short. Clear my mind of everything except for your message, your thoughts, your words. Place on my tongue the very words you'd have me to speak tonight. God, my desire is for it to come from from your spirit through my spirit to their spirit. And I can't do that without you. So Lord, have your way and your will in all of this tonight. And we'll give nobody but you the glory. Because you alone are worthy of it. We love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. I ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. You know, maybe we just need to talk about it. I read one verse to you, one little piece out of this whole story, and maybe we just need to talk about it. Joseph is, um, he is his father Jacob's favorite son. That's a problem, that's a mistake, that causes problems in the family. Joseph is hated by his ten uh, other brothers. Right now, his one younger brother, Benjamin, obviously doesn't. But the others do. They have animosity against him. They don't like him. Uh, Joseph is known for being a dreamer, uh, for interpreting dreams, um, you know the closest thing I said that is not presenting him doing wrong or sinning. Uh, the closest that you get is when he's just a little too honest, right? He tells them about his dream and what his dream means, and they're greatly offended by that because it says that one day he'll be over them, right? But that's exactly that's what God had in plan, had in mind. That's what his plan was. That is exactly how it turns out. So, anyways, one day uh, Jacob sends his son Joseph to. Check on the other brothers who are uh, taking care of the sheep, right? Of his father's, their father's flock. And so, anyways, uh, to make a long story short, what happens is they decide this is a good opportunity to get rid of Joseph, to get rid of this dreamer, right? So anyways, so what they do is they, uh, they put him in a pit and then whenever some uh, traveling merchants uh, come along, uh, I think they were Ishmaelites if I remember right, but anyways, uh, they were on their way to Egypt to trade and so they sell him as a slave, right? He sold for the price of a slave. Talking about parallels with Christ, there's another one. I think it's important that Jesus is sold. He is betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, which is the price of a slave and so is Joseph we know that Joseph is carried off to Egypt his brothers in order and obviously they're not going to tell their father that they have sold his favorite son into slavery in Egypt Joseph or I mean Jacob would have been willing to give everything to get them back to get his boy back you know they know that uh, that's not going to work so they do, they come up with a a plan and what they're going to do is they're going to take this unique outer garment this unique coat to, that Joseph had and they are going to dip it in some blood so that it appears that he has been killed by wild animals and what they're going to do is they're going to go back to their father and they're going to tell him look what we have found what in the world do you think this could mean they're not going to outwardly lie to their father and tell their father oh Joseph has been killed and here's the proof you see they're going to let their let their father draw his own conclusions from this bloody coat. Probably one of the best sermons that I've ever heard preached before, Brother Clark Snow preached on that very subject. And his his point, what he was getting at, is it's just a bloody garment, right? That's one of the tricks of Satan, right? He'll show you a little bit of something, right? He, he won't tell you. He'll let your imagination run wild and dream the wildest thing and worry and, and think the awfulest things when the truth is... It is nothing but just a bloody garment, a bloody uh, rag or piece of cloth or whatever you want to say there. That's all that it was, right? Joseph wasn't dead. The worst that Jacob thought and imagined wasn't even true. It was nothing but a bloody garment. Well, anyway, so for years, uh, Jacob thinks Joseph is dead. Joseph is a slave in Egypt. He is sold into the house of Pontifer. Of course, God's hands on Joseph, right? Joseph's blessed, whatever he does. God's hands on him and he's blessed. We see that over and over through the scripture. He's blessed in Pontifer's house. Of course, there's another incident with a garment. I think that's interesting. I maybe... My mind silly for thinking that away, but you know, whenever he is there, he's over the whole household. of for taking care of everything and managing everything, and Pontifer's wife gets an eye for him and decides that uh, she wants to. Bible uh, says with him, you know, she wants to sleep with him, and she grabs a hold of his uh, his clo- cloak, his coat, his outer garment, and she, uh, uh, I guess, is trying to hang on to him or whatever. And he takes off out of there so fast, he leaves it, and she uses that as proof. That he had come in to try to rape her. Well, Pontifer believes his wife and is so upset. Of course, we could talk about and debate and have a Bible study on just how much he believed his wife, but he believed his wife enough that he was very angry and he threw Joseph, had Joseph thrown into prison. But even in prison, God's hands on him and he's blessed. Next thing you know, he is, uh, what do they call that in prison? Like a trustee, you know. He, he is in charge of all the other prisoners and taking care of things because God's hands on him. God's blessing him no matter what he does. And so there comes a point, there comes a time when the Bible says that the, uh, the Pharaoh's baker and, how does it say, a chief butler, right? That's kind of like, like the cupbearer, like Nehemiah was, you know. Anyway, something happens, Pharaoh gets upset with them, they're thrown in prison. Time goes by and they have a dream. Both of them the same night. They don't know, they don't understand what to make of this dream. So Joseph gives them the interpretation. He tells them what's going to happen, the butler is going to be restored and the baker is going to be executed, and that's just exactly what But he tells the butler whenever he interprets his dream, he tells him, he says, now whenever you're restored back. and See, think about this. This butler, right, if we look at at the evidence that's given there, he's kind of like, I don't know if he's exactly the same as as what Nehemiah was as a cupbearer, but he's in Pharaoh's presence and obviously probably has some influence there. He's able at least get a word in. He tells, Joseph tells him, remember me. Right don't forget about me remember me because i've been falsely imprisoned i didn't do anything wrong well the butler's restored and the butler forgets joseph that's the verse i read to you right right that's the verse i read to you tonight let me read it to you again genesis chapter 40 and verse 23 yet he yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph or forget him he forgot all about him now if we were to go on and we were read the next chapter we would see that a period of maybe 2 years goes by and then we would see that there's a certain set of events that happen and uh, uh Pharaoh has a dream and this dream is uh uh it's quite a dream actually Right? The, out of the Nile River comes uh, seven fat cows. And then after them comes uh, seven of the awfulest looking, scrawn, I mean, scrawniest I don't know if scrawny is the right word. Uh, but anyways, I mean, just gone awful looking old cows come up out of there. They eat the first seven. And you can't even tell that they had consumed them; they're still just as gaunt as they was before. Then he says he has another dream immediately afterwards, and there's seven. Um, How does it say? It's seven kernels of grain. It's that's on a you know it's on one stalk on one head. They're just really, really looking really good. And then there is seven that, seven more that come that are uh, scorched by the east wind. Right? They're no good. They're worthless the first seven. And so Pharaoh calls in all of his, all the wisest men in his kingdom, right? The magicians and the, uh, you know, the philosophers and all them guys. And he's supposed to be able to interpret dreams and none of them, right? None of them have a clue. None of them have any idea what it means. Kind of reminds me a little bit, it's a different circumstance, but of Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. But anyway, so they can't figure it out. And at this point, all right, like two years later, this chief butler remembers Joseph and he says, I realized my mistake, there's no boy I was supposed to tell you about and I sort of forgot about him. But anyways, I met him when I was in prison. <laughs> this all turns out good for them, but I'm just going to tell you here in life normally, when somebody starts out with, I met him when I was in prison, it's probably not a good idea. But anyway, he says, I met him when I was in prison, but he can tell you the interpretation of these dreams. And so Joseph does, right? There's going to be seven years of abundance and then seven years of famine. Joseph lays out a plan for him on how to deal with that. Uh, Pharaoh was so impressed with it that he puts, that's how Joseph gets to his position. Right, if we were to go on and we were to read the rest of the book of Genesis, we see that God is working in all this and he uses this, right, to reconcile the family and bring them back together because when this famine is through the whole area, through the whole world, right, Joseph's brothers come there looking for food and God uses Joseph, right, to give them the food that they need. But let's talk for just a little bit this evening about that time whenever Joseph is in prison and he's forgotten about. Let me ask you a couple questions tonight. Have you ever felt like God has forgotten you? Right? Have you you ever felt like like you've just been left hanging out there and God's not talking to you? God's kind of it's like he's forgot about you. Have you ever felt like that maybe when you pray, God doesn't hear you, you right? You're not getting any answers. Or at least he's not answering your prayers for some reason. Look, if we're going to be honest, we've all been there before. We've all felt like that we were forgotten, abandoned, left. We've all looked around and wondered why things seem to be going the way that they were. Well, I'm going to tell you tonight that thankfully the scriptures show us that the mountaintops and the valleys that the saints have went through before us, we've got examples that we can look at. We can see that we're not alone in this. We can see how God works and what he has done with others. That's what I want to take a few minutes tonight and examine, right, a man who was forgotten. And in doing so, I believe that we can find some valuable truths that's going to help us in these times. Remember when we're here in chapter forty, Joseph is in a prison cell and he is forgotten. Right, the cupbearer, the right, the 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 butler uh, who was supposed to uh, put in a good word for Joseph to Pharaoh, he forgot. <laughs> How do you do that? You know, he forgot. <laughs> how disappointing how discouraging here's what we need to look at what did Joseph do in this situation how did Joseph react or how did he respond to this situation I think if we come at this with those questions there's some valuable things, some valuable truths, some nuggets here that we can learn from Joseph's experience. The first thing that I think that we can learn is focus on the job that God has given you to do. Right? For two years, Joseph uh, sat in prison, forgotten. For two years, he waited. Yet in the what did Joseph do for those two years? He didn't didn't just sit there on his cot going woe oh woe is me and do nothing. Right in, in the meantime, Joseph continued to do his job. He continued to do his work. He continued to do what God, what God had already. Uh, in his life to do right uh, he kept up with his responsibilities I think we can read about that in Genesis chapter 39 it's the same for us when we're in that position where we're just waiting right it is important for us to continue to do what God has called us to do Maybe you're at one of those points right now where you feel like that you just kind of feel forgotten today, right? If that is you, I want to encourage you to focus on your task, to focus on your job, to focus on your responsibilities, on your service to God is what I'm talking about, right? Work while you're waiting, right? You're waiting for God to speak to you. You're waiting for God to give you direction. Well, in the meantime, continue to work and do what God has already called you to do. What he's already spoke to you to do. I say it this way, let the Lord find you working in his service. Whatever responsibilities you have, keep doing them. Whatever it is God's granted you to do, keep doing them. And I realize that in the hardest times, that is the hardest times to serve God. Right? It's in these times where we're feeling forgotten. However, I want to encourage you to keep on. Those times where you feel like I'm just stuck in a rut. Those times where you feel like I've just been doing the same thing. I'm spinning my wheels. I'm not getting anywhere. I want to encourage you to keep on. I often wonder the things that God taught Joseph. while he continued to fulfill his service to God there in that jail? You know, God uses times like that to teach us. He really does. I wonder if uh, sometimes if God doesn't teach us more while we're in the jailhouse than when we're out of it. You understand what I'm saying, metaphorically speaking? That's the very, but yet, some for some reason, it's our nature. That's the very times that we don't want to keep at it. That's the times when we want to quit. That's the times where we want to just lay down and do nothing until God, you know, speaks to us in, in the in the storm and in thunder, right until we're on the mountaintop again. But you see, that's that's the very time that we tend to we want to neglect those responsibilities, the callings, and the gifts that God has given us. That's when we want to quit. But I'm telling you, don't don't stay faithful to God's service. Notice that whenever Joseph was in the jailhouse, God was still using him. Uh, As a matter of fact, it's in chapter 39 and verse 21. Right there in the uh, beginning it says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Sometimes God, you ever realize this or thought about this, sometimes God is using us, and we don't even realize it. Joseph is in the jailhouse at the lowest point probably in his life feeling like he is forgotten. But yet the scripture tells us God's still using him right there. Here's another thing that we need to learn from this. Is we need to rest in God's sovereignty. That's probably something as free will Baptists, we emphasize the free will and we probably don't emphasize the sovereignty of God enough. Or me personally, I probably don't. But God is still sovereign. God is still in control, right? That whole two years went by, and it wasn't like during that two years things were happening that were out of God's control, right? During those two years, God was still in control. God was still moving. God was still working. God was still setting things up. He was getting Joseph ready uh, to move, even though Joseph might have felt abandoned, forgotten, and hopeless. The truth is, is God never works on our timeline. He never works on our time schedule. You see, here's the thing about God. God is never late. You've heard that and probably thought about that before. But here's the other side of the coin. God's never early either. God's never early. He's always right exactly on You realize that if that butler, if God would have caused that butler and moved on that butler to go and talk to Pharaoh the day he got out of jail, that would have been too early. That would have been too soon. Do you realize that? I'm telling you, even though it may seem awful that the butler had forgot all about Joseph, the truth is, is when the time was exactly right and not a moment sooner, God caused him to remember Joseph. That's when he went to him, right? That's when, I mean, do you see how things unfolded? And those set of events when the timing was perfect. So don't you forget, even though you're sitting there and you feel like I'm not heard from God, you feel like God doesn't hear me, you feel forgotten, you feel left behind, whatever it is. Remember, God is still in control. He is still sovereign. He's not forgot about you. Your job is to keep on doing what God has called you to do, to keep on working. Keep on doing the service of God. Here's another thing that we can learn from this. Be aware, be alert, be looking for God's activity, right? Uh, Think about it this way. How had God led Joseph in the past? Well, by dreams, right? We can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 37, and we can see that. How did God turn Joseph's captivity right in this present situation? It was through dreams. It was, it was. Listen, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that God works in different ways, in different situations, with different people. Moses was the only person that God, as far as I know, as far as the scripture records anyways, Moses was the only person God ever dealt with through a burning bush. Nobody else. Balaam is the only one that God ever dealt with through a donkey. Listen, God has a unique uh, relationship with you and with me, and he has a certain way of dealing with you and a certain way of dealing with me, and honestly, the way he deals with you might not work with me or anybody else for that matter. But all that matters is it works with you, right? It works for you. Be alert. Watch for God's activity in and around your life. Probably one of the most important, important's not the right word, impactful books that I ever read outside of the scriptures was a book called um, Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. Maybe it's just what I need to hear right at that time. I don't know. It may not have that kind of impact on anybody else. But that was one of his points right there, was to be alert for God's activity, to to keep working kind of some of the same things i brought out of this so far, uh, to keep on doing what God has called you to do and be alert. Watch for him to move. He's going to work in, with you in the same ways that he has before. Sometimes we need to just wait and watch for God's movement in us and around us. Keep alert for God's activities in your life and be ready to respond. That's what's so important. Be ready. When God moves, you need to be ready to move. Right? What do we do so often? So often God moves and we go, wait, 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 wait. Was that really you, God? Hold on a minute. God, tell me again. God tells you again. Next day, wait a minute, God. God. Are you sure that was you? Did you say that? God, tell me again. I mean, come on. When God moves, we've got to move. We've got to be ready. And let me give you one last thing. Seek God even when you don't feel like it. Seek God even when you're at your lowest. Seek God even when you feel forgotten. Sometimes when you feel forgotten, it's Difficult to stay close to God. We struggle with thoughts like, does God care? Is God real? Does he, you know, does he care what happens to me? Has God forgotten me? Maybe God doesn't hear me? All kinds of crazy things will go through our mind. To put it very frankly, in times of captivity, I'm talking spiritually here, But in times of captivity, it's easy to get aggravated and to get frustrated with God. You know what it is? Everybody wants to be in the whirlwind. That's what it is. Everybody wants to be on the mountaintop. Everybody wants to be in the whirlwind. Everybody wants every day to be a a, a Red Sea crossing day. We want to be in the whirlwind of God's activities all the time. But the truth is, God doesn't work like that most of the time. Usually, it's in the still, small voice. Seldom. Seldom is it in the whirlwind and in the thunder. You know, most people only get uh, one Red Sea crossing in their entire lifetime. And I'll encourage you to be watching and don't miss it. But don't expect it every day because it's not going to happen. Look, I want to make my point clear to you tonight. Seek God even when you don't feel like it. Seek God in the lowest. Seek God in your captivity. Seek God even when you feel frustrated with Him. Seek God even when it seems like He has forgotten you. Seek God at all times. Don't become bitter or angry with Him. Seek God. Be honest with Him. Pour your heart out to Him. If you're feeling forgotten, if you're feeling left, if you're feeling like He doesn't hear you, if you're feeling like He's not answering you, if you're feeling uh, emotions of bitterness or anger or whatever it is, He already knows it. There's no reason to try to hide it from Him. Just be honest with Him. Confess it to Him. Talk to Him about it. Never, never forget. I'm telling you tonight, you've got the example of Joseph. Anytime you need to go back and remind yourself of this. Never forget that even though you might feel forgotten, that God has not forsaken you. God has not forsaken you. He tells us in his word, he'll never forsake us, right? He'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, right? He is there. He is ever-present, right? No matter what, no matter how low the valley gets, right? God is always there. Always there. So I don't know what you might be going through, what you might be dealing with. I don't know how you might be feeling. Hey, maybe you're on a mountaintop right now, and that is fantastic. That's great. You should be really excited about serving the Lord. You should be ready to jump up and do something for Him. But maybe you're at a valley right now. Maybe you're at a low point. I want to tell you, you're not forgotten. You're not forsaken. He's there with you every step of the way. You need to cry out to Him tonight. Why don't you do that? Would you stand to your feet? Well, open the altar, and I want to give you an opportunity to come. The Spirit of God is dealing with you. Would you come tonight? If you've got a need, if you've got a heavy burden, would you come tonight? If God has been pricking your heart tonight, right? There's something you need to talk to Him about. Come on. Don't hesitate. Don't wait any longer. Whatever the need is here tonight, would you come? Please, would you come tonight? Whatever it is.